Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Okay, please open up your Bibles if you have one to the 19th chapter of Luke. 19th chapter of Luke, the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The four, first four books of the New Testament, they are four accounts of the life of Jesus written from four different perspectives. And we're going to look into Luke's story about Jesus and one of the events that took place in the life of Jesus from the 19th chapter. It is the story, some of you will remember this if you have grown up in Sunday school, it's the story of a wee little man, Zacchaeus, the wee little man. What I want to do is I want to just read verse 1 through verse 10 to get through the story, kind of get it in our minds, in our hearts, and then we will look closely into it and see what this historical event that took place 2,000 years ago has to do with us right here today. So Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. He, referring to Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. And they said, He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As we read through that story, it becomes very obvious just on a quick read-through that this is a story about a seeker. It's a story about this man, the short of stature by the name of Zacchaeus, seeking Jesus Christ. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look deeper. I want us to look closer because... Zacchaeus seeking Jesus 
is not really the big story here. It's the secondary story. The story is definitely in a first place priority about a seeker, but it's not the story ultimately of Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. It's a story of Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. And I believe that by the time we're done looking closely and deeply, you're going to see that, wow, this is really about Jesus the seeker after Zacchaeus the lost soul. And let me read you the big idea with the last verse again. Here's the great truth of the story. For the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Ladies and gentlemen, what is happening here that we'll see looking closely is that Zacchaeus is simply a responder. Jesus is the initiator. And what is even more incredible, what I believe that I'll show you through the enablement of the Spirit is that this story is your story. It's my story. This story written 2,000 years ago about an actual event with a wee little man and Jesus is really the story of what Jesus and His Spirit is doing in your life. For those of you that have not yet accepted Christ, This is your story. For those of you that have, you're going to see your story in here. And when we come to the end of the story, you're going to see that the very end of the story is still the reality of what you're working on or what Jesus through His Spirit is working on in you right now today. So what this story is about is that it tells us how Jesus seeks and saves the lost. So let's look and see how he does that. Here's where it begins. I'm going to give you the statement and then I'll show it to you in the text. Number one, how does Jesus seek and save the lost? Jesus turns our attention onto Him. Jesus turns our attention onto Him. That's where it begins. Look at verse 3. And he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. Let me ask this question. Why would a wealthy Jew who had a leadership position in the employment of Rome be seeking out a Peasant Jew, a poor Jew of no class. 
Why is that taking place in this story? Can we extract from the events leading up to and what's taking place here to understand why it is that Zacchaeus is seeking to get a closer look at Jesus? Here's why. The city was a buzz about Jesus. He was on his way to Jerusalem. He's coming through Jericho and word had gotten out and it had spread through Jericho about this man Jesus. What word? Well, let's just fill in some gaps that we know. This Jesus that's coming through, that he's the one that's given sight to the blind. He's the one that has taken lame legs and caused them to leap and dance with joy. This Jesus is the one that has called out into a sealed tomb and brought a person back from death. This Jesus is the one who, I'll quote some guards that were sent to seize him. He is the one that taught and spoke as no man has ever spoke before. You see, word had gotten out and it had grabbed Zacchaeus's attention. And so he was determined to get a closer look at Jesus. That's what's going on here. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus had gotten Zacchaeus' attention by the things that he had done. And that attention had been arrested because word of mouth had been shared from people that had been touched by Jesus and that testimony had spread out like wildfire and it had grabbed Zacchaeus' attention and he wanted to get a look for himself. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly how it happens today. It's the same story. It's the same story. In fact, it's the only plan that Jesus has given. He doesn't have a plan B. There is one plan, plan A, and here it is. If your life has been touched by Jesus Christ, if He has done the miraculous in you, if He has transformed your life, then what you are to do is you're to tell other people about the power of the person of Jesus Christ. And what happens is it gets people's attention. And they say, man, I want to find out if that's the real deal. I want to get a look for myself at the one that has supposedly done such awesome things. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus and his miracles were not reserved for the few years that he walked the shores of Palestine 2,000 years ago. They're effective today. They're happening today. In fact, this is not planned. I didn't try to work this up before I walked up onto the stage and The first service, right before service started, I had two different people come to me and tell me this week about miracles that took place. Undeniable miracles that happened through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ this week in this church. 
One of them was a life, a marriage in shabbles, just ready to end it, and they came to church last Sunday and found Jesus Christ and accepted him and are trying with his power to put their life back together, and God will do it. Another miraculous healing. You see, Jesus is still going around doing good like he did in Palestine. And the word gets out and people hear it. And what happens, number one, how does he seek and save the lost? That word, that testimony of the word of mouth gets people's attention. And they want to know, is he really that kind of a man or God? This week as well, I'll give you two stories about how that word spreads. Just two examples in the life of our church this week. We had a family in our church, little kids, little son, said, Mom, I want to have a vacation Bible school. And so, Mom says, well, okay, let's do it. And they invited the kids of the neighborhood into their home and had their own vacation Bible school Monday through Friday. And the kids came and the little boy's friend got saved this week. You see, somebody is telling about the power of the person of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, it grabs people's hearts. It gets their attention. That's how Jesus begins to seek and save the lost. Another gentleman right before I walked up to the stage for service said he had the opportunity. A friend of his had a family member that died and he had an opportunity to go down to the memorial service and speak at the memorial service and share Jesus at the memorial service. That's the way it happens. People talk about that have been saved and transformed. They talk about what Jesus has done in their life. And the word spreads and people like Zacchaeus say, I want to know if that's for real. I got to get a look for myself. It's the way, it's the same story. And you see, if you're here this morning and you're saved, somewhere along your life that happened to you. Jesus got your attention because his power, the stories and the testimonies of his power, of who he is and what he can do, got through to you and your attention was arrested. And how did Zacchaeus respond? How should we respond? If the story's the same, how should we respond? We should respond just like Zacchaeus did. Verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. You see, the response begins with a desire, a desire for a closer look. And here's what Zacchaeus was willing to do. He was willing to stop what he was doing, to take the time and the energy to find out for himself to get a closer look at this man called Jesus Christ that so many people were talking about. If you're here this morning and you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ, then you're already hearing the first part of the story. Jesus transformed lives. 
radically transforms lives. He's the only answer to the human dilemma. He's the only one that comes into the midst of absolute hopelessness and radically transforms lives, both in this life and for eternity. Question is, will you do what Zacchaeus did? Will you take the time and energy it takes to turn aside and see for yourself who this Jesus is? Because that's what it takes. So first of all, how does Jesus seek and save the lost? He turns your attention to him. And he does it through the testimony of those who have experienced his life-transforming power. I want you to see specifically the two different problems that Zacchaeus had. Two obstacles that stood in the way of Zacchaeus' life as he sought to get a closer look at Jesus. There was a personal problem, number one. What was his personal problem? Yeah, he was a wee little man. He was a wee little man. He couldn't see over the other big men and women. And he had a second problem. In addition to his personal problem, he had a people problem. Here's the people problem. There were people between him and Jesus that blocked his view of Jesus. I want that statement just to simmer in your mind and in your heart for a minute. Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because so many people following him blocked the view. Followers of Christ, are you catching a principle in here? Could it be that at times what we do instead of pointing the way and crystallizing the vision of Jesus, we actually block the view of those who want to see him were in the way. Let me tell you one of the ways that we get in the way. Jesus said, Jesus said, this is the way the world is going to know who I am and that I came from the Father. It is as you have love for one another. So the way that we practically and sacrificially and unconditionally love one another is going to show the world that Jesus is who He claimed to be or it's going to put an obstacle or a barrier between them and Jesus enabling them not to be able to see because we are blocking the view. If we don't love, that's just one of the ways. But the point is, there were followers of Jesus between Zacchaeus and Jesus that were blocking the view. We should always be about clearing the path, not barring the path. So first of all, how does Jesus seek and save the lost? He does it by turning your attention onto him. What's the second thing that he does? Here it is. 
after he turns your attention onto him, he gives you a way to him. He gives you a way to find out if he's real, to get the closer look. Verse 4. So Zacchaeus ran on ahead and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him for Jesus was about to pass that way. I just want you to try to picture this scene. Can you just transport your mind, the best of your ability, back 2,000 years to the dusty roads of Palestine? Mob following Jesus around, coming into Jericho. And lost in the midst of that throng of people is a wee little man. I imagine there's at least two ways he tried to deal with the problem. First one is he tried to push his way through the crowd, right? But what can a wee little man do trying to fight back a mob? What might else have have Zacchaeus have done? How about the hop and peek? He was just trying to get a look, trying trying to get a look at Jesus, right? Didn't work. Man short of stature. But he's resourceful. And so he takes a bead on Jesus. And then he kind of plots out his trajectory. And he looks down the path. And he sees a large sycamore tree. And he says, there is the answer right there. And so he beats the crowd down the path. And he comes up to this sycamore tree. Ladies and gentlemen, a sycamore tree large enough to hold a man in its branches would not have any branches close to the ground. They would be quite a distance up the trunk. So here's a man in his tunic, his robe, a wee little Jewish, wealthy, privileged man And just picture what he's doing, right? He is tree-hugging the sycamore, trying to shim up the trunk to get to the lowest branch so that he was positioned when Zacchaeus, when Jesus came by. Now, say, Pastor Brad, what in the world does that have to do with how Jesus seeks and saves the lost? Well, it has everything to do with it. Listen, listen. Who planted the tree? I mean, seriously, who grew that tree? Everything on the planet, it says in Colossians, that was created through Jesus Christ. That seed that was the, became the sycamore tree, Jesus made that. The rain that watered the seed, the sun with its rays that helped the process of growth, the warmth of the sun that enabled that tree to grow, that was a Jesus tree. So what's the principle? Jesus made a way for Zacchaeus to get the closer look he really wanted to get by Growing the tree and then walking by it. 
So the second thing that Jesus, the great seeker who has come to seek and save the lost, does is that once He gets turns our attention toward Him, He then gives us a way to get to Him so we can get the look we need. Ladies and gentlemen, it happens today. In, I'm, I want you to listen carefully. It happens exactly the same way today. Exactly, literally the same way today. Let me explain that. Not on a sycamore tree, but there's a tree. Not in Jericho, but in Jerusalem. On a hill outside of Jerusalem, Jesus planted a tree. And you want to know who he is. And you want to know what he feels about you. Just go to the cross of Jesus Christ and you will find out that he is the God of infinite love who cares more about you than you can think or imagine. So much so that he went to a cross and died on it to pay for your sins. That's what the Old Testament through thousands of years said he was going to do and he fulfilled every one of those prophecies in perfect detail. Read Isaiah chapter 53. You'll see a picture of the cross 700 years before it ever happened happened. See, this story is teaching us how it is that the great seeker and saver of the lost goes about his mission. Number one, he turns our attention to him. And number two, he makes a way for us to see him for who he is. And he did it with the tree that he planted into the ground. But we have it better than Zacchaeus because we don't have to shimmy up it. Jesus climbed it himself. Jesus elevated himself on the cross willingly, allowing the spikes and actually accomplishing his own death, if you read the scriptures closely, accomplishing his own crucifixion, hung up above the earth so that we could see clearly who he is and how he loves and how he saves. I'm just going to read you a few sentences here. Jesus climbed it so that he would be lifted up above the crowd, lifted up above all other religious leaders and religious systems, lifted up to between heaven and earth, between a holy God and a sinful humanity so that we could see clearly the God who loves us and made a way for us when he sent his son to climb that tree, laying aside his position and his dignity and in humility, climbing that tree to pay for your sins, to bridge the gap, to make a way for you to come to God. You see... His story is our story. Every follower of Christ in here could testify with me. Yes, the first two of those are true of me. He got my attention, and then he made a way for me to get to him. He showed me who he is through his death and his resurrection. 
But what we need to do is we need to do what Zacchaeus did. We need to do what Zacchaeus did. First of all, Zacchaeus made an effort. Think about him shimmying up the trunk of that tree. That was a labor. So it takes effort, and secondly, it requires humility. It was a humble thing. When we come to find out who Jesus is, we have to come to the realization, if we're really going to grasp the reality of who He is, when we see Him as Savior, we have to understand that we needed one because we are hopeless, that we in our sin are guilty and deserving of the punishment that our sins demand against a holy God. So it requires us to turn aside, to get a look, and to humble ourselves and be willing to hear the truth about us and Him. You see, if we are sincere, Jesus always makes a way around the obstacles that stand between us and Him. So Zacchaeus went to the tree to get a close look at Jesus. But at the tree, something happened. Something happened. It's the third thing that Jesus does to seek and save the lost. And here it is. Jesus calls for a personal relationship. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, to the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Ladies and gentlemen, Zacchaeus wanted a look. Jesus wanted a life. He always does. He always does. Jesus here is being mocked. Please see this carefully, the context of what's happening. Jesus here is being mobbed by the crowds, but he is focused on. On the one. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's how he cares about you and me. Look at what Zacchaeus' call included. This call from Jesus. Number one, the call included a knowledge of who Zacchaeus was. I mean, the clear implication of the text here is that Zacchaeus had never met Jesus. And yet Jesus walks right up to the tree and he looks up and he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. As if to say, I know you, Zacchaeus. I know who you are. I know all about you. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a liberating truth in this right here. Please hear it. Particularly if you have not yet been saved, have not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you're here this morning, and you're so painfully aware of the gross depravity of your sins. Listen, Jesus knew all about the gross depravity of Zacchaeus' sins, yet he sought him out, and he came to the cross, and uh, to the tree, and he initiated the call. He identified that he knew him, and he called him into a personal relationship with himself. 
So the call includes a full knowledge of who you are, and yet the call comes anyway. He loves you not because of what you do. He loves you because of who He is. Secondly, the call includes an immediate response or the call for an immediate response. Do you see that? Why did Jesus call for an immediate response here? Why did he say, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. Why did he do that? You know why I think he did that? I think he knew that procrastination can lead to damnation. You see, when the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, listen to it in the moment. Don't say tomorrow. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. If you're hearing His call, it's today, not tomorrow. And then thirdly, the call included a close connection. Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. You know what Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus? He was saying to Zacchaeus, I want into your life. I want you to bring me right in to your life. That's what he asks of us. I must stay at your house. That's the God of heaven Sending that call. It's how he sends it out today, just like he sent it out to Zacchaeus. And how does Zacchaeus respond? Verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. He responded quickly and willingly by welcoming Jesus in. You see, Jesus doesn't force his way. But he calls effectively and we respond quickly and willingly and joyfully. And once we come into this close connection that he calls for, step three, so here they are again. First of all, how does Jesus seek and save the lost? He turns your attention onto Him. Secondly, He makes a way for you to get to Him. Thirdly, He invites you into a close relationship. And how do we respond? We need to respond like Zacchaeus did. Listen to it, verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. I want to show you what Zacchaeus is doing here. You see, there must be a space between verse 7 and 8, or verse 6 and 8. Like they're at the tree, Jesus calls, he comes down immediately, but then... He goes into the house, apparently. They're around the house. They spend some time in the house. And in the midst of that gathering in the house, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, 
He calls Jesus his Lord, and he says, Lord, right now I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone out of anything, four times I will repay it. Let me just show you three things that are displayed in Zacchaeus' life there. Number one, he displayed great compassion. I mean, what is his first statement about? It's about the poor. He obviously has had a change of heart. He's now concerned for the poor and promises to give half of his substantial wealth. And ladies and gentlemen, he had an audience. Right? He made this a public commitment. I'm giving half of my wealth to the poor. So it shows, it displays a compassion in his life, his transformed life. Secondly, he really desired great integrity. Do you hear it? He is willing to pay deeply for integrity of heart. If I have defrauded anyone out of anything, they're in earshot four times, I'll pay it back. He wants to be in a relationship of integrity with those around him. And then number three, he delivered a public witness. He stood up in that crowd and said, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. You see, the fourth thing that Jesus does as he works and seeks and saves the lost is he deserves the place and seeks to gain the place of lordship in our lives. And if you're here this morning as a follower of Christ, that's where all of us are at, at one degree or another. Seeking to give up more and more of our stuff and our desires and our motives and our hearts and our energies to His lordship. That is the goal. You see, for Zacchaeus, his heart became filled with compassion, his pocketbook became free with generosity, and his mouth began to flow with testimony. All three of those. Jesus died and rose again to be your Savior and your Lord. That you would learn to make all of your decisions based upon who He is and what He wants and the truth that He's communicated. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, you don't lose anything when you do that. It's only then that you find out what life is really meant to be. Now I want to close just with this. I just want to compare verse 1 to verse 10. Verse 1 says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, one of the Gospels said he has set his face resolutely or like a flint toward Jerusalem. What does that mean? He was going to die. 
He was on a mission to go to the cross. Jericho just stood between where he was at and where he was going in his mission to save humanity. He had to pass through Jericho on his mission to save humanity. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Jesus was on a mission to provide the sacrifice to save all humanity, yet on the way, he stopped for one soul. He cared about the one. He quieted the mob in his ears and his eyes, and he looked for the one. Is he looking for you today? Is he calling to you today? saying to you, come. I must enter into a close relationship with you. I want to be your Savior and your Lord. Worship team, would you come? Church, would, I'm just going to have you stand. We're going to of a closing prayer here, and I want to. I just want to pray. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here this morning and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. You can do that right here this morning. You can leave here with a brand new destiny and a transformed life. Jesus is still the miracle-working God. He's doing that stuff today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that an event of history 2,000 years ago is so rich with truth that transcends Time and becomes timeless, becomes truth that can set us free. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his radical commitment to the mission to seek and to save the lost. That's you here this morning. You want to put your faith in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. You can't bring anything to God to merit yourself to Him. You're guilty as charged for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Eternal death and separation from God. But all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who come to Jesus, He will in no wise cast out. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to make that decision today? Jesus calling you. It's not the words that you pray. It's the faith that you have in your heart in who Jesus is and what He has done. 
But you could say something like this, Lord Jesus, I do believe that you're the very Son of God, that you left heaven to come and pay the penalty for my sin so that I wouldn't have to. That you came to offer me a personal relationship with you and the Father and your Spirit and to give me the guarantee of an eternal existence with you in heaven. And I pray that you would lavish your grace on me, a sinner, right now, this morning. Save me. I put my trust in Christ Jesus alone. Through the grace offered through him, save even me. And God, I pray for us as a church body, as followers of Christ, I pray that we would be grace givers and that we would point a clear path to Jesus, not impede those from getting to him but help usher them to Him by testifying, by sharing the powerful things that He has done and is still doing to change lives today. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.